You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. Conversation that we started a, a number of weeks ago. We're tracking the life of Jesus. And uh, we, we started in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, a, a little bit before Easter. And so when we, uh, we started there, we're, we're, this theme is from here to there and back again. And so it's kind of A, B to A. What I mean by that is there's a starting place, there's a place to go to, and then there's a return to that same place. So you might remember if you were here when we started looking at Jesus before the crucifixion, he started, uh, he was praying in a garden, but we looked back at the Garden of Eden, where God had created man and woman to have this intimate relationship with him and with each other. And yet we know that that was broken and Adam hid. And so we all of a sudden we we live in this there place, this this place where we often hide from God and hide from each other. And then Jesus prayed in this garden, hey, could you restore, Father, what was broken in that garden? So you can kind of see the, you know, from uh, from here to there and back again. We looked at the cross of Jesus, that all of his disciples were scattered, yet they they had lived this crucified life, and yet they walked away from him when he was was crucified. But John, because of his relationship with Christ, came back to to Jesus. He was the only guy that came back at the cross. It was from here to there, and and John came back again. Of course, the resurrection is a a perfect picture that we started with life, and then Jesus went there to, to death to pierce that veil of darkness, and then he came back again. And so every step of the way, we have seen Jesus do something miraculous. We have tracked with Jesus and we we looked at him after the resurrection when he came to Peter. Peter had this, this passionate relationship with Christ and yet he walked away. He went there and then Christ said, will you love me more? Will you come back to me? And the invitation that he gives to all of us. So one more, we're going to look at, at Christ's after he ascends into heaven, but we have one more uh, angle to look at this morning of Jesus before he ascends or before he goes into heaven. And then we're going to look at what's he doing, you know, now some people we focus on the historic Jesus, but hey, he's uh, obviously alive. He came back from the dead. What's he up to now? So we're going to look at that next week. Before Christ left, he did an exit plan. He just didn't say good luck and and head out. He had a plan in place that he wanted to give to us. And that plan is something that is very near and dear to the heart of 360. And that plan was discipleship. We find what's called the Great Commission. Sometimes I call it the Great Permission because he was giving us the permission to work alongside of him. But we call it the Great Commission because Christ was commissioning every follower of Christ to make disciples of all nations, to be baptized, as we've seen today, and then to follow him in obedience. That's the Great Commission. If you do follow along with your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew 28. And if you want to put a finger in 1 Kings 19, then you can do that. And if you're new to the faith and you don't know what any of that means, don't worry. It's up on the screen. You can follow along in that way. It's interesting when you look at the Great Commission, what's surrounding it. I think 
context is always important. And today you're going to see a great journey that is from here to there and back again that will help define maybe an angle of disciple making. Maybe you've been around 360 for quite a while. I'm like, man, these guys are always talking about discipleship. And why is it so important? And why should I be involved? Or maybe it's not something that you've connected with yet. But it is a challenge. It is a commission. It is a request. It is a command of Christ for every Christ follower, whether we get it, whether we like it, whether we know it, whether we're doing it, it doesn't matter. We're, none of us are exempt as Christ followers. We begin in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 16, it's very interesting. We read then the 11 disciples, Judas had already betrayed him and already had taken his own life. So now we have 11 of the 12 disciples. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. There was a rendezvous point set up in Galilee. Jesus had told them earlier, hey, after I come back from the dead, I'll meet you there. And so he came and went to these 11 disciples. What I find interesting is that Christ did not first appear to the whole crowd. And there's something there. John uh, gives us a little bit more of the story. Matthew, when you read the 28th chapter, the, the, the resurrection of Christ is in the 28th chapter. And then automatically Matthew goes right to this place. There's a deeper reason for that because of who Matthew was. He was writing a, a lot to the, the Jewish believers, etc. But we won't get into it. But he goes right to this place. It's interesting in John chapter 20, which is the next to the last story of chapter in John's story. John says he appeared to 10. There was another meeting. So because Thomas hadn't showed up yet. And then eventually then Thomas shows up and now he's meeting with, uh, with uh, 11 of them, just like we see in Matthew. And the next chapter in John, in John chapter 21, we see like we did uh, the last time when, uh, when Peter went out to fish, that Jesus met with seven of his believers. When we see in the end of Luke at the road to Emmaus, a city called Emmaus, Jesus came upon two of them. Here's the point. Like, it's not just a numbers game. Here's the point. When Jesus first came back to the, to, from the grave, he met with those initially who he had invested in. And there's a reason why he did that, because he said, look, while we were together here, I've asked you as we traveled and journeyed for over three years to there, I'm coming to you first because I have invested in your life and there is an expectation that Jesus had for those whom he had invested in. So when the principle of the Bible is that when you plant a seed in the ground, there's an expectation that something's going to come out of that seed. We've seen parents today. There is an expectation as parents that as we're investing in our kids, we're hoping for a return of some kind of, of the things that we've taught them, the things that we've invested in them. This was, this was the, the point of Jesus. In the next verse, Matthew 28, 17, when they saw him, when who saw him? These 11. These are the 11 that walked with him, who slept on the ground with him, who camped out with him, who ate with him, who saw all the miracles. This is stunning. When these 11 men saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubt it. It's stunning in that moment. Some doubt it because, see, if they didn't believe who Jesus was, if they didn't believe that it was really him, then all of a sudden they can say, well, 
he has no authority in my life. See, as long as we can keep God at a distance and say, I really don't know who he is and I'm not quite sure I believe, then I don't have to believe in him. That's why Jesus starts the Great Commission with this. He recognized that here were his most 11 invested in people on the entire planet. He had invested in these 11 men more than any other human beings in over three years. And all of a sudden, some of them doubted that he was who he was and didn't have the authority to do what he was doing. Therefore, he starts the next words. He said, when Jesus then came to them, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. See, they were doubting, like, I'm not sure you're, you're who you are. He goes, no, let me tell you, I have all authority. He had to give his authority first, and then the marching orders came from that. Watch. Therefore, what does that mean? Therefore, because I have authority, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So let me kind of tie it all together because I know that's, you know, we're, we're getting a little bit heavy there. So let me tie it all together. There are two reasons why Jesus is saying, here's why every follower of Christ should invest in others. Number one, he has invested in us. And when people invest in us, we hope for a return. So Jesus is saying, I invested in you. My expectation is that you will go back and start the journey with someone else. I journeyed with you for three years. That's why I appeared to the 11. That's why I appeared to the seven. That's why I appeared to the two. I appeared to those that I had a lot of return of on investment expectation. I invested in you. Now I'm asking you to go back and start all over with someone else and now invest. That's number one. I invested in you. Number two, I'm in charge. I said so. Sometimes as parents, we have to go there, right? How many parents in the room have ever said, okay, you know, you're trying to reason with why we take the trash out and we don't take it out or why you need to, you know, put your uh, dishes into, you know, the uh, dishwasher and not have a whole inventory, you know, more dishes in your bedroom than Williams-Sonoma stocked an inventory, why you should do that, and it just doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen until you finally said, because I said so. <laughs> so Jesus is saying, look, I invested in you, I'm trying to reason with you, you owe it to someone else, because I invested in you, number one. Number two, because all authority have been given to me. It's so powerful. This is why Jesus said, or, or Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, there's four generations, watch this. Paul is speaking to Timothy, says, what you have heard from me, uh, Timothy, in the presence of many witnesses, I want you to entrust, go back and invest in someone else so that they can go from here to there and they can go back and invest in someone else so that they can walk with someone so that they can go back and they can invest. You get the picture? It's very circular in a way. 
You invest in someone who's going to go back and invest from here to there and then go back and invest from here to there and go back from there. It's from here to there and go back. I'm going to keep saying it until I really know you got it. (laughs) It's so important. Now, it's interesting when we look at the commission, because sometimes I'm I'm going to walk on a little thin ice here. Okay. Sometimes we think discipleship is only learning Bible facts. That if we just give another person information, they will be discipled. And that is not what discipleship is about. Now, it's part of what discipleship is. But when you look at the Great Commission, Jesus said, don't teach them the things I've commanded you. Teach them how to obey the things I've commanded you. It's a super big difference. In other words, teach them to live as I've taught you to live. And so Paul comes along and he's talking to the, the, a church in the city called Philippi. And he writes these words. And normally I, these, we don't hear these, these sentences paired together, but I think it's important. Finally, brothers, Paul says in Philippians 4, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, anything is praiseworthy, I want you to think on such things. You know when people send me kind of snarly texts? I send them this verse. And then... Then my wife says she's sorry, and then we move on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tell you kid. There, it's easy to complain, right? I mean, I can think of a million things I don't like. I don't like this. I don't like that. Blah, blah, blah. But man, it takes a little bit more muscle. They say it's easier to frown than smile. It requires more muscles to turn your, you know, your your lips upward than it does downward. And the same thing with your life. Now, it's interesting when Paul says these things, he said, finally, I want, I want you to think about tr- things that are true and excellent and noble. And then he says, because whatever you have learned from me or received from me or heard in me or seen in me, and that doesn't happen just from a lecture on Sunday morning. I can put on a good front just like you can put on a good front. And you don't know my life. You don't know how if I'm patient or I'm not patient. You have to walk together from here to there. That is discipleship. And it's not just learning Bible facts. It's learning how to put the Bible facts into action. It's learning how when Christ said love is kind, it's learning how to be kind. It's learning how to show someone how to be kind. It's learning how to be kind when other people are not being kind. And boy, that's tough. And when your disciple sees that in you, that's when the life change happens. Not because you just went to 1 Corinthians 13 and said, you know, the Bible says love is kind. And then you honk the horn at somebody very unkindly. (laughs) Paul says, hey, whatever you've learned and heard and seen in me, and probably because it's coupled right there, he says, probably because you've seen in me, when, I, when things have, have been really going off track and I was true. And when people uh, argued with me, I was still noble. And when people were unkind to me, I was still, I did things that were admirable. See, this is discipleship. He said, put this into practice and then you got the God of peace will be with you. That's discipleship. See, we are mandated by Christ. Do it. 
I'm in charge. But also we have this sense of burden. For some of you, if I might be frank, discipleship may still be a mystery. Like, okay, I'm trying to trying to get, I totally, I can connect with it. What, what does it mean? Uh, people ask me all the time, what is this small circle thing? I always say, go to Info Central. There are people there that are equipped that can answer your question. I mean, I can answer it, but I'm unkind, so I don't care. No, it's, it's totally. I mean, ask any of us. Ask our staff. Ask somebody. So in other words, if, if God is saying, hey, I, I'm trying to get you at a, at a table for two, ask about it. And then go find out about it. If it's a mystery, some of you, if I might be so bold as to say that discipleship in your Christian life still seems to be optional, optional. And I'm just being a messenger of the word of God to say it's not optional. It never was optional. There's nowhere in in the Great Commission that there's a a phrase that says, some of y'all make disciples. That's Southern. Some of y'all make disciples. Or if it's convenient. Or if, it, if you think it's a good idea. No, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Not even mentioning, I've, I've, I've invested in you. There's not a person in this room, if you've been a Christ follower for any amount of time, whether it's a pastor a brother, a neighbor, a sister, whatever, who has invested in your spiritual bank account. And Jesus is saying, you owe it to others to do the same. It's, it's, a, it's a powerful thing. So I want to just consider for a second as we, as we kind of close. Let me give you an illustration of, of uh, Elijah. Elijah, it's an interesting thing. If you think about, you know, the, the figures, the, the people, uh, the key players, let's say, of the Old Testament, Elijah probably would come to your mind if you know the Bible a, a, a little bit. You'd say, okay, probably Moses and maybe David, Elijah would be there. So it's really fascinating that when you look, if you were to go Google, you know, where do I find Elijah in the Bible? It's only like a few chapters. It's not like David, where there's a there's a whole glob of chapters, or or you know uh, Moses, he got books. Elijah only got only got you know a handful of chapters, but the life that he lived was really powerful. So I've put a I thought about going through all these instances, but I thought well we probably need to get out before you know three o'clock this afternoon. So let me just put a list on the on the screen for you, and and here was the 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 life recorded by. Uh, by Elijah, okay? As he was traveling from this, when God called him from here to there, he had to exercise courage right off the bat. Ahab was an evil king. And so he had to, he had to muster this courage up and say, I'm going to go talk to him and tell him that God has put a drought. He's going to cause a drought over the, uh, uh, over the land. And that, that wasn't going to go well. He had to then depend on God, there was a dependence that he'd learned. So this, I just want you to notice, this wasn't just facts about the Bible. This was real experience with God. And so he's accumulating this. God is investing in him. There was a dependence. God, he, he was out there during a drought and the, and the brook, there was a brook there. And God said, hey, I'll take care of you. 
and feed you from a source you'll never be never expect. My wife and I, Ben, when we planted our church, we didn't have a dime to our name. We didn't have a job. Uh, we didn't. I mean, and people would leave uh, groceries at our front door. It felt like a raven coming by, you know, and just leaving that. We we put ourselves in a position where we were dependent on God. That's part of our story. It's part of our story. I could tell you what chapter to go find Abraham, and that's important in our life. But what's more important is that I can, when I'm discipling someone and they're in a hard way, I'm going to say, God is going to be faithful. You know why? Because he's been faithful to me and he's been faithful to so many people. He learned obedience. When the, where he went where God asked him to go. He had to trust God because the brook that he had dried up. He had to go to a widow and be fed by her last meal. He learned humility. He, wit- he became a witness of God's miraculous power. He saw a, a dead being raised from the dead. He's he, just God providing. He had to learn boldness. And in, in 1 Kings 18, he faced off with, with a whole army of these prof- these false prophets. He had to he experienced fear when he uh, 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 Jezebel, you know, had put his uh, mug up on the in the post office, and he, you know, he had a hit on his life. He he, be, he became freaked out, and then he became he experienced depression. You read the story of Elijah, and for some of you, it may be fascinating or surprising or stunning that this man of God faced such depression and loneliness in his life that he wanted to take his life, he became suicidal. Now just think about all the things that that he had collected, all the experiences, all that experiences, and probably more. We don't have everything along the way. And here comes Elijah accumulating all these things that God's doing in his life. And he lands in a cave. And he tells God in the cave, I'm done. I'm finished. And God, if we could hear his heart, said, son, I invested in you. And so he asked this question in 1 Kings 19. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? I invested in you. I didn't invest in you all these things and show myself to you to end in a cul-de-sac. I was ramping you up to the interstate, to the highway, for you to bring others on and ramp and learn and teach what others, and this is what Jesus is saying. Guys, the 11, I didn't invest in you to end in a cave. So I thought of my own life, brought kind of a little bucket because the reason I brought a bucket, I don't know where I got this thing. I'm not a deer hunter, but it looks like it. <laughs> I sometimes carry this around, you know, just to be a little more manly. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> just packed my lunch today. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. It was in my garage. I'm like, that's that super cool. Yeah. Wow. That's, at any rate, I don't even know where I got it. I probably stole it. Okay. So, you know, I hear this term a lot, and you probably do too, bucket list, bucket list. And to be honest with you, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a bucket list. Maybe you got one. Um, if you do, I'm getting ready to offend you. But um, 
a bucket list is kind of a little self-serving, right? I mean, it's it's like what I want to do before I take my last breath. I mean, that's typically a bucket list. These are the things that I want to do, right? But the illustration is I just brought some things that along just some common day items. I walked around my house and this is Experiencing God by, by Henry Blackaby. It's a classic. And I thought, man, I've experienced God in so many ways. That are stunning. I'm like, that's in my bucket. That's in my experience. And I think I, I picked up this clock and I think about all the time. The guy that, you know, Pastor Titus from India, when I first came to Christ, every Thursday night, three hours with Steve for a year and a half. It's part of my bucket. It's part of why we do what we do after all these years. I saw some sunscreen here. I don't even know what that's there for. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it seems silly, but you know, it's just a reminder. I was thinking, how many times have I been burned by people? And, and you know, there were people that came along and they became kind of this solar repair. That's the name of this. <laughs> They were, they kind of like soothed it and said, you know, I know you've been burned. I've been burned too. Sometimes people were sweet to me when I didn't deserve it. Here's an ace bandage. Do I need to say any more? <laughs> some people have come along and highlighted some things in my life that needed to be highlighted. You know what I mean? I don't know if you're seeing this, Steve, but... <laughs> And those are painful times. That's part of the experience. This is a knife. You see my back? <laughs> Sometimes people have helped me carry a weight. And like, I know you can't carry this, Steve, right now. I'm going to carry it for you. That's a big one. Some people have cut things out of my life. There have been moments in my life of great self-reflection. Still looking good. <laughs> These are amazing moments. You know, when God says to you, hey, you need to get alone. You know why, you know, we give our tools away around the world? I just did a training to 10 pastors with Love Serves here, American pastors at Bradenton this past week. And I walked in, all their churches are 50 members or less. And I said, God, in a moment of self-reflection about six years ago, told me to take money off the table and quit being greedy. Steve, you need to give these tools away. We've given about a half a million tools out around this world, probably more. And you know, I had one guy, he had tears in his eyes. He said, thank you so much for that. Thanks to your church, because we can't afford even the hardly to turn the lights on. That came from a moment of self-reflection. It's part of our lives. This is my mom's painting. I we lost her in uh, from this life to the next in in uh, October, and I know what grief feels like. That's part of my bucket. And uh, here's some light, you know, God shares, shares along the way. Here's some deodorant. <laughs> I don't always smell great. 
Here's some water of those people that have refreshed me along the, the, the way. Here's a first aid kit when I was wounded so deeply. Here's a microphone that was for baptisms. <laughs> Here's my beautiful wife of 26 years. And here's um, my phone, which never leaves my sight. And here's the word of God. Look how full that bucket is. Don't you think God would say, wait a minute, what are you doing here? You're not going to. You're not going to go back and bring all of this richness and miracles and hardship and knives and scissors and highlighters and reflection because these are the things that are going to help somebody else obey Jesus. It's not just because you told them so. People need your bucket and not your bucket list. It's a big deal. It reminds me of when Paul said this in in, uh, 2 Corinthians. He said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, the God of all strength, the God of all power, the God of all miracles, who comforts us in our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort any of those that with comfort that we ourselves received from God. You could insert comfort. For comfort, you could insert strength and help and weight carriers, and all the things that are in your bucket, all those things, so that. So, so Elijah comes, and, and he's in this cave, and there's a tornado. And he didn't hear God's voice, and there's an earthquake, and didn't hear God's voice, and there's a fire, and didn't hear God's voice, because sometimes we think we hear God in the noise. But it's the whisper that comes, he said, after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he knew it was God. So he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And the voice came to him again. What are you doing here with all these things? So watch what he says. The Lord said to him, go back. Go back to where you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, I want you to anoint this guy, Hazael, king over Aram. Anoint Jehu, king over Israel. But I want you to take your bucket and I want you to anoint Elisha to succeed you as prophet. Disciple that boy. Good, he's going to need it. Jesus said, hey, because I told you so. But he also said, hey, come on. I've put a lot of things in your bucket. Wouldn't it be a good time to share that? Listen, you know what's so cool about this? Are you ready? You don't have to be a Bible expert. It was never intended that only Bible experts get to play. 
Should you know the Bible? Of course, please don't hear me. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But there are too many people that disqualify themselves because they don't think they have enough. Oh, your bucket is full. Your bucket is full. Thank you for joining us. And special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.